Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back to the Quick Brain Podcast. Your question for today is, how do you lose that stubborn weight and build mental muscles? If there was one thing that you could do that's going to help you to be able to lose weight, to be able to stimulate neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin, endorphins, reduce systemic inflammation, and so much more, would you want to know that the tool is? So I'm excited to be in the Mind Pump podcast studio with the host of Mind Pump. We just did an episode, Sal Stefano. He has been a personal trainer since age 18. Yeah, a long time. Long wow. Time. And he's also the author of this book, The Resistance Training Revolution, which I recommend all our quick readers go online and get their copy. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thanks for coming on our show earlier. Yeah, thank you. This is I, one of my favorite podcast studios ever. And thanks for letting me, me record this conversation. Thank you. So we're talking about, before we started to film, like, so outside you have this amazing gym and you and your partners, we just did an episode on, on your show. Make sure everybody follows Mind Pump and we'll put links in our show notes as we always do uh, to your YouTube, to your book, to all your socials at jimquick.com forward slash notes. So fitness. This is something that we don't talk a lot about, but we, we do say this is one of the keys to having a, a limitless mind. Where do you start? I mean, do, is, there, is there like one exercise? I'm curious about things like if there's, you know, your favorite exercise, especially when it comes to building brain power and BDNF and all that good stuff. But then also, how do you motivate clients? Yeah, you know? that's great. So I think we should start with the this massive myth or misconception that the mind or the brain is somehow separate from the body. I remember when I was a kid how people thought working out or building muscle could potentially, you know, it was connected to like the dumb jock, right? Like, oh, someone's very built, obviously not very smart, or then the smart nerd is not very built type of deal. That's a huge myth because what makes the body healthy and fit also produces a brain that is fit and healthy and can yeah. process faster and can learn things better. I think we know this now, but people tend to not make uh, the connection. Okay, so the question is, what's a great exercise or form of exercise that is gonna be best for the brain? Now to be clear, any activity that's appropriate is better than no activity. So improving your health through activity is always a good thing, but which one, if you had to pick one, and most people only pick one because most people are not fitness fanatics. Uh, you know, if, if they were, they probably work in the industry that I'm in. Right. Most people aren't going to dedicate a ton of time to exercise. So people want the best, you know, biggest bang for their buck. Okay. When you look at all the data and you consider all of it, and I'll get through some of it, strength training trumps any other form of exercise when it comes to brain power. And I'll go down the list here for you. Let's start with insulin sensitivity, okay? Mm -hmm. Or your body's ability to utilize glucose, right, uh, for energy. The brain runs on energy. And we know that, um, I mean, uh, Alzheimer's has been referred to as type three diabetes. And we can see there's a strong connection between um, insulin resistance and cognitive decline. Muscle serves as a storage vessel for glycogen, which is what we turn sugar and carbohydrates into. When you build muscle, you have a greater capacity to utilize glucose, or at least to, to store it. 
In fact, there's studies on severely obese individuals where they have them lose no weight at all. All they do is build a little bit of muscle, and they have significant improvements in insulin sensitivity. And this is good for the brain as well. So there's there's that one. Um, you also have hormone balance, uh, which is much more closely connected to developing and building muscle than it is to, uh, let's say, improving endurance or flexibility or stamina. Now, why is that? The hormone profile that your body produces or needs when it is in an environment to build muscle and when it's told to build muscle, which is what strength training does, right? It sends the signal that tells your body to get stronger, build muscle. That hormone profile is what we could loosely refer to as a youthful hormone profile. So higher testosterone, balanced estrogen, progesterone. We talked about insulin, right? Sensitivity to insulin. An upregulation of androgen receptors, upregulation of growth hormone receptors, a better, more healthy utilization of cortisol. Uh, cortisol starts to look more natural when we're in this kind of muscle building state where it rises in the morning and then starts to drop in the evening. There's also the aspect of learning that occurs whenever we do a physical activity. So a lot of people think, yeah, you work out, your muscles are what gets stronger, your bones get stronger, or things get looser, and that's what ends up happening. There's just as much central nervous system adaptation, if not more, that occurs from learning new skills, physical skills, as there is muscle or physical, let's say, skeletal muscle adaptations. Strength training is one of the forms of exercise where I can move in any plane of movement. I have an almost limitless amount of exercises. It trains proprioceptive ability, right? My ability to know where I am in space and time. It's not a repetitive motion over and over again, right? You learn how to ride a bike. That's definitely a skill. If I ride a bike for exercise, there's definitely skill involved with that. But after a while, it's the same repetitive motion. Same thing with running, same thing with swimming and other forms of exercise. With strength training, I mean, I can move in the sagittal plane. I can move in the frontal plane. I can move in the transverse plane. I can strength train fast or slow, controlled. I can strength train for endurance and stamina or maximal strength. It's incredibly versatile. In fact, it's the, the primary form of exercise that rehab specialists use for people who need to rehab from serious injury. Yeah. It's also the form of exercise I can use on anybody. I don't care what your limitations are. You might not be able to run. You might not be able to cycle. You might not be able to do other things, but there's a way I can use resistance training on your body to build strength. And that builds the brain. It builds the brain in, in tremendous ways. We know that it increases BDNF uh, in the brain. All activity does, but strength training has this kind of unique ability to cause it to rise on a kind of continual basis. In fact, when you compare other forms of exercise, strength training is superior. It's also the only form of exercise that's been shown to halt the progression of beta amyloid plaques. No other form of exercise. All exercise benefits, but strength training has been shown to actually stop. And in fact, there was one study out of Sydney, Australia, where the researchers said it looked like it might even start to reverse. We just didn't do a long enough uh, study. And they think it had to do with the insulin sensitizing effects of strength training. And then here's the main reason why I would choose strength training. You don't need to do a lot of it to reap its benefits. The muscle building process happens in the recovery process. So you could strength train once a week or twice a week, and you'll see significant gains in strength. The muscle loss or reverse adaptation that can happen from not being active is much slower with strength than it is with other physical adaptations. And maintaining the strength that you build requires way less work than it took to get there. 
some studies show it's about a fourth. Some studies show one-ninth of the work required to build strength and muscle is needed to maintain it. So this makes it uniquely suitable for modern life, uniquely suitable for the average person who, you know, they don't live to work out, they work out to live. Uh, so that's what I wrote this book about is really about that, about why this misunderstood form of exercise has been labeled as just the way to look good or maybe improve athletic performance. But in reality, it's the ultimate form of exercise uh, for longevity. Amazing. So we're, we're talking about exercise leading to blood flow, uh, the neurotransmitters, mm -hmm. the BDNF, potentially lowering uh, inflammation. Also, let's talk about for weight loss, because we had Dr. Daniel Amen on, the brain doctor, and he said as your, as your waistline expands, your brain actually shrinks. That's right. And there's so many people that want to lose weight, and a lot of people will go to running or cardio. There's a different connection there that people aren't making, right? So we refer to the chronic health epidemic as the obesity epidemic. But really what we're looking at is the smoke. Uh, what we're failing to look at is the fire. What's causing this in the first place? Obesity itself is an issue. But it's the fact that we're under-muscled. That's mm. the big problem. Muscle is metabolically active. When you have more muscle, you have a faster metabolism. Now, this buffers you against the ills of modern life. I mean, if I could do anything right now to solve whatever, you know, the obesity epidemic or help people lose weight, it would be simply to speed up people's metabolism. So if, I could, if I could do that right now and people just continue eating the way they, they do, they would be much leaner. That makes sense. When you're talking about atrophy, you know, I've just entered my 50s. How much muscle mass do most people lose as they get older? The percentages vary on the individual, but it's in the 5% range for every five years or decade or so. Okay. By the way, if you strength train, you significantly thwart that muscle loss. So you said you're, you're 50. I mean, you could build a tremendous amount of muscle and strength at 50. Your age will impact your max potential, maybe not at 50, but let's say at 60, you might not be able to reach a you know, barbell squat like you would when you were, let's say, 25 or 30, but it's not going to be too far off, and you'll definitely be a lot stronger than you, you would be if you didn't do strength training. By the way, this is also connected to things like bone mass. And you mm -hmm. know, here's another thing. Mobility and cognitive performance and function are also very strongly connected. One of the leading causes of death as people get older, people know heart disease and cancer. You know what else is up there? Falling down. Yeah. Falling down and hurting yourself. If you've ever taken care of somebody who's in advanced age, who has suffered an injury, has to stay in a hospital bed. Broke a hip. There's a saying in medicine, break a hip, die of pneumonia. Mm. The decline in physical health is rapid, but what's more alarming is the decline in cognitive health. I remember the first time I experienced this. I had a client who was in her late 70s. She was already in early signs of cognitive decline. And she worked out with me for a couple of years. And yeah, I don't know if you could tell that she was still going down. It looked like we were maintaining pretty good. Um, and she, she would see me once or twice a week. Her daughter hired me to train her. Well, anyway, she ended up falling on her own at home. And then she couldn't come work out. She got hurt or whatever. Six months, she was uh, in rehab, bed rest. It was a bad injury. I ran into her at the grocery store. Her daughter had taken her grocery, grocery shop. This is six months later. Remember, I trained her for two years. She didn't recognize me. That's how fast the cognitive decline wow. happened from the inactivity. It's not just a mind-body connection. There's definitely a body 
a body-mind connection. Yes. When we're talking about motivation, and so I'm very mo motivated right now to work out at mm -hmm. this moment because of all the reasons that you've, you've mm -hmm. listed. Do you have a way of getting yeah. your clients, sometimes they procrastinate, they, they, totally. don't, they don't prioritize it. I know there's not one pill or a secret. That no, actually, I'll tell you, because I got really good at this towards the end of my career, and my, my, my co-host, the same. And we didn't work together, by the way, at the end, we just came to the same conclusion. Mm -hmm. Do you have too much to read, but too little time? Are your shelves full of books that you haven't read yet and become shelf help, not self-help? And that's why I created the Quick Reading Course. 15 minutes a day, 21 days, will absolutely transform your life. Just go to quickbrain.com forward slash reading. Use the code PODCAST15 and you'll get instant access. It's less about the secrets to keeping yourself motivated and more about what people tend to do to make this such a terrible experience where they don't want to come back. Okay. Mm. So the first thing is the amount of intensity that you need to apply to get your body to adapt is appropriate to your current fitness level. So to use another type of adaptation of the body, like the skin's ability to tan. If you've been living in your mom's basement for you know 15 years, how much sun exposure do you need to start to elicit a tanning response? Right. Anything beyond that causes what? Sunburn. Right. Sunburn is not going to get you a tan any faster. In fact, it's going to take a lot longer because you surpassed your body's ability to adapt. And I get it. Social media does this, right? We highlight the beast mode and beat yourself up and like you have to survive your workout, right? Effective workouts induce adaptation. Effective workouts are not the ones that make you feel like you can't move anymore. In fact, that's ineffective. That's the opposite of effective. Mm. You should feel at the end of your workout more energized than you did before you started. You should not feel like you just survived. Like, oh my God, I gotta go lay down on the couch. You went too hard for your body. You gotta set the adaptation signal in motion and then leave it alone. That alone demotivates people like crazy yeah. because they go and they try and it's like, I'm gonna go through hell every time I go work out. No, this needs to be a good experience. The second reason why people lose the, you know, call it motivation or discipline to continue is that they start for all the wrong reasons. They look in the mirror and they, they say, I look gross mm. or I'm fat or I'm inadequate. I hate myself. I hate myself. If you start exercising because you hate yourself, exercise is a punishment. This is why what I just referred to earlier as the beat yourself up model initially feels cathartic. Initially, when I get off the couch and go beat the crap out of myself and I come home and I tell people I had a great workout, well, yeah, I hate myself. Of course, it's going to feel good at first. And it won't, it won't last, I promise you that much. Instead, go with the following framework. I'm going to care for myself. Not that I hate myself. And you should be honest. You can say, look, I haven't been taking care of myself. I deserve to be taken care of like somebody I care about. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to take care of myself. Number one, that feels a lot better. It's a different right? mindset. For totally sure. Totally different mindset. Number two, it also feeds into number one. I'm more likely to train myself appropriately because I'm doing this to take care of myself. This also applies to diet, by the way. I know we're not talking about diet, but if I'm trying to lose weight because I hate myself and I'm trying to diet in a way because I hate myself, well, now diet becomes restrictive. Hmm. If I'm eating because I care about myself because I want to take care of myself, it is not restrictive. In fact, balance, which everybody talks about this with diet and exercise, you got to create balance, right? Because how does what does everybody's workout and diet look like? On or off, right? It's either I'm doing it or I'm not doing it at all, right? Balance is baked into caring for myself. Because usually that means I'm eating something healthy. Sometimes that means I'm having a pizza with my kids because we're enjoying a movie together. 
right? Mm-hmm. So th- those two things alone will make the biggest impact. And then there's a third thing. The third thing is this. Here's the structure, okay? And I'm going to start with this. Motivation is a feeling. Stop worshiping the feeling of motivation. It's going to go away, okay? Like Just like you can't be happy all the time. People who worship happiness end up addicted to drugs or, or distractions. Motivation is wonderful when we have it. And by the way, I don't need to tell you to work out when you're motivated. I've never had a client have a problem going to the gym when they're motivated. It's when they're not motivated that becomes a challenge. Okay, so what do we do then? Well, here's what you do. Start like this. Ask yourself what you could do now. What's one step I can take forward with fitness that is challenging? It has to have some meaning. Otherwise, it's not going to be worth anything to you. But also realistic forever. That's the context. Mm. What is challenging yet realistic forever? Whatever that is, and you have to be honest with yourself, whatever that is, that's the perfect step. Start there. And then here's what will happen. You'll do that once it becomes a habit, once it becomes a behavior, then you ask yourself again, what's the next step I could take that is challenging yet realistic forever? And then here's what's going to happen. I'll, I'm going to sound like a wizard now to your, your listeners, okay? Here's what will happen if you do what I'm saying. You're going to take that first step, and it's going to take a while before you take that next step. And that's okay. You're going to stay there. You'll notice improvements. You'll notice you're going to feel better. By the way, pay attention to all the benefits that come from it, not just the scale. In fact, I tell people to throw the scale away. Uh, because we we tend to ignore the other potential good and bad signs that our body's, body's telling us because we start we always worship the scale. Okay, throw the scale away. So you take this one step. Notice the benefits. I feel better. I, I have more energy. I'm sleeping better. Okay, this is cool. And here's what will happen. You'll do that for a while. And then when you're ready, you ask yourself again. And then when you're ready, you ask yourself again. The time between steps starts to become shorter. And the steps naturally become larger. Here's what's happening. You're developing the skill of discipline. You're building a skill that is going to last with you forever with this. And this is how you develop a lifelong relationship because it's a relationship, a lifelong relationship with exercise and with fitness. So many actionable ideas. I love it. This is like a master class. <laughs> Do you have courses for, for, for our audience? That- we have workout programs. Okay. Um, they're called MAPS, Muscular Adaptation Programming System. You can find them at mapsfitnessproducts.com. Um, but I tell people this. Look, um, we do five podcasts a week. We have a YouTube channel where we also we show the podcast on there. And then we also have a YouTube channel where we demonstrate exercises and give so it's a separate channel. We also have free fitness guides at mindpumpfree.com. Don't buy anything from me. Listen to all the free stuff that we provide, mm-hmm. okay? When, when we've given you so much value and we've changed your life and you're like, okay, now I want to go to the next step. I want to follow a structured program, then come pick the right one. Yeah, I, I love it. We'll put links to all the courses, to the free links that you mentioned Thank also you. well. Uh, to your social media, uh, also at jimquick.com forward slash notes. The book also is is an amazing guide. Yes. It's not only do you have all the documented research, but you have like step by step. Is there is there minimal uh, viable like uh, return like in terms of is it like two three times a week? No, no, no. It's just a little more than you're doing now. They even have studies that'll show one five second isometric contraction a, a day will yield strength gains. Wow. So yeah, and look, if you're doing nothing now, a little bit yeah. will get your body. Think of it. Again, I use this, the tanning analogy. 
Just train yourself appropriately. Go to the gym and practice exercises. Stop trying to beat yourself up. Get better at the squat or the deadlift or the bench press or whatever. Do just a little bit and let your body adapt. That, By the way, that's not the slow way to get there. People confuse. They think it's a trade-off. It's like, oh, there's a fast way and there's a slow way. No, no, no. It's yes or no. There's a right way and then everything else is a total fail. That book, by the way, I wrote for the average person. So it's literally like I am communicating to the average person and my goal with it is to get people to be able to do this on a long-term basis. I'm not trying to create fitness fanatics or bodybuilders or extreme athletes. They're already bought in. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to the average person, just wants to live a better life, wants to reap the benefits of feeling fit and healthy and having optimized hormones. And that's who I'm talking to with that book. Amazing. Follow Sal, everybody. Get a copy of the book. Get your resistance uh, strength training in and subscribe to the Mind Pump podcast. Thank you. Sal, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much.